All right, and welcome to another exciting episode of uh, Sports Biz from an agent's perspective. All right, you're with your host, uh, Zila, a.k.a. Chester Mbekela. And uh, yeah, episode number 61. All right, on to the next, on to a new episode. Um, today, we're going to be talking all things uh, football, soccer. All right, so brace yourselves. Um, we're going to actually be talking about the J-League. All right, this is, this is pretty much a recap of the past week or so to 10 days of the J-League matches that have taken place since returning from the mid-season break, you know, as a result of, you know, transfers and everything that's been going on. It's a busy time within Japan football at the moment. But before we get more into that, This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help. I know, you know, from my personal experience, man, when I was an athlete, when I was a player, you know, there'd be times I would go through, you know, feelings of like stress and anxiety, you know, stress to perform, you know, stress to play well, to make sure you play for that next contract. And, you know, I really wish that I had had, you know, certain like avenues to really vent and get out these frustrations and just have an objective party to talk to, right? BetterHelp, man, it's a platform that offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you through, you know, your tough time or whatever you're going through. Now, you're able to talk to your therapist in private, um, in an online environment at your convenience, so it's literally therapy um, wherever you may be, you know. Um, there's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapists network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then uh, you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Imagine that, under 48 hours. Then you schedule a secure video and phone sessions. And then uh, plus you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist. Um, and everything you share is 100% and completely confidential. Right? What I've found helpful, man, with using the platform um, like BetterHelp, again, you know, is just their response time. That if you're going through something, um, you're able to talk with your therapist and share it right there and then, you know. My therapist, uh, Mark, is so efficient um, and I'm really um, happy that I'm working with him. All right, and then you can actually also request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime if the, cur- like the current um, therapist that you matched with doesn't work out for you. All right, so you don't need to stress and feel like you're trapped with one therapist. You can actually request to change. So... Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to Sports Bears from an agent's perspective, podcast listeners. So you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash kzmbekela. Right? That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash k z m b 
E K E L A Bekela. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, and welcome back um, after that break. Um, so, as promised, today we're actually going to be talking about, um, you know, we're going to be bringing you the recap of the past seven to ten days of J League action. All right. Um, in today's episode, we're actually only going to focus on the J1 League. You know, I know in previous episodes, I've mostly touched on a bit of the games in the J2 League and a bit of the games in the J3 League. Okay. But um, yeah, today's only going to be the J1. So just to kick things off, all right, we're going to have a look at, um, I guess I would say the game of the past 10 days. All right. And the reason why I'm not saving it for last was because, you know, I'm actually going by order as this is how it happened. So the well-anticipated fixture between Kawasaki Frontal and Yokohama F. Marinos took place. All right. So this was the traditional Kanagawa showdown. All right. Um, obviously, anyone um, you know who's a supporter of the J League would have definitely backed FC. You know, um, sorry, not FC. Yokohama F Marinos to be the obvious favorites. I mean, they are at the top of the table. They are number one in the league. <clears throat> All right. So, just to carry on. Um, yeah, so the, I mean, the game, obviously, both teams were known to, that they were going to come out hungry, come out fighting, you know, because obviously, Kawasaki, who, you know, were the previous favorites for the league again this year, beginning of the season, they, they got out the blocks firing, you know, they were really doing well, they were really having a good spell, and then I think niggles and injuries started, you know, hindering them um, just before we took the mid-season short break, you know, just before we went into the mid-season um, transfer market short break. And as a result of that, you know, um, Yokohama F. Marinos were able to leap ahead of them, you know, but obviously getting more W's um, and obviously just, you know, being clinical in how they were playing their games, you know. So everyone knew that as much as Kawasaki were the underdogs, um, they were going to come out hungry and that they did, you know, from the onset, man, from the kickoff, it was such a fast paced game. You know, I think <laughs> it's one of those situations whereby if you were sitting in the middle, like on the halfway line, if your seat um, at the stadium was on the halfway line, I promise you, you'd have gone home with whiplash as a result of just moving your neck, you know. Um, left, right, left, right, because that's how fast the game was, and you know the passes were clinical, you know high passes, low pa- on, like, you know, on the ground passes, um, the defense was intense, you know the attack was intense, the strikers were everybody. It seemed like, and and I love this part of the season, you know, because I blogged about it um, just a few weeks ago, talking about the peak phase season um, of an athlete. With regards, in this case, to the J League, all right. This is the time of the season where players are, are now have found their form, have found their confidence, and are now performing at a peak level. You know, you can accredit all of this, obviously, to um, sufficient game time, because that's what happens 
when you get sufficient game time. The more you play, the better you become. And at some point, in the, and at some point of the season, as an athlete, you reach what they call a peak phase. This is literally the time where you almost, yeah, like you almost seem untouchable. Everything you do just appears to be special. You know, the players reach a peak physically and mentally. So this means that just in how um, they execute within the game, they're more thorough, they're more accurate. So if a guy is shooting, he shoots with more intent, with intensity, and most of the time he's going to score the goal. You know, and obviously with Kawasaki Frontal coming out, man, hungry as fuck, these guys were able to get the first goal. You know, so they obviously had F. Marinos a little shook when this happened. Um, but again, you know, as my late father used to say, a team that is used to winning will always find a way to fight their way back and making sure that, you know, they can try get the W, you know. I'm not saying that F. Marinos won. I'm just saying that they were able to equalize you know, by also scoring a very clinical goal, well executed. Again, they were, they were playing well as well. Both teams were playing equally well. It was a very like, evenly matched level of intensity where it was always going to go down to who um, would take advantage of the opportunities more. You know? So obviously, so if Marinos equalized because they're used to winning, because <laughs> that's how champions do, you know? they, they always find a way to climb back. So they climbed back, man, and... Um, they, they equalized. So for the bulk of the game, it was one all. You know, it was one all until just before the game ended. Um, Kawasaki Frontal's star defender, Brazilian player, star defender, found himself in a very good position to head of the ball home. You know, he found himself in a good position to score um, a goal that would put them up. 2-1 up You know and, and I mean with the remaining time You could basically see that Yokohama F. Marinos were not going to be able to To sort of claw their way back from this And uh, yeah So when the match ended uh, When the ma- match ended Sorry not ended <laughs> When the match ended uh, Kawasaki Frontal found themselves the victors of this I don't want to call it top of the table clash because um, F. Marinos is number one and Frontal is number three. So I would say it's the top half of the table clash. And Kawasaki emerged as the victors. You know, I guess they proved why last season they were champions. Because again, last season, man, they were... I think every chance they got last season, they would put F. Marinos away. So I think with them, they almost relied on um, muscle memory for this type of game. Because it was like, guys, we've beaten these guys before. You know, so this is not, this is not something that's, you know, that, that's out of reach for us. Yes, they've gotten luckier this season that they've gotten more wins than us. And that's why they're number one. But when we have to come face to face, we know how to beat this team. And that's exactly what they did. You know, um, so shout out to them. Congratulations to Kawasaki Frontal. Um, I'm sure they gave the people of Kanagawa an amazing, you know, football spectacle, you know, um, and it's, it's very healthy, man, and I like the state of professional soccer that, you know, the prefecture of Kanagawa is in. I mean, you literally, there is so much quality football in this region 
of uh, Japan. I mean, it's not so, it's within the greater Tokyo area, so I still classify Kanagawa as part of Tokyo. But I mean, when you look at the teams that are so dominant and that are coming out of the Kanagawa region, you got um, Kawasaki Frontal, you got Yokohama F. Marinos, um, you've got Shonan Belmar. Well, they're not really dominant, but they play in the J1. And then in the J2, you've got Yokohama FC, who are now currently sitting at number one. You know, so I would definitely say that, yeah, Kawasaki, if you're looking at prefetches, I think Kawasaki is sitting at the top when it comes to um, producing quality football players. And mind you, all of these teams, a good 90% of the players are local Japanese players. So that means that the development structures that are happening within the uh, prefecture of Kanagawa um, are definitely on the right path to producing, you know, quality Japanese rugby players. All right. And I, for myself, I actually live in, Kana, in the Kanagawa region as well, in the Kanagawa prefecture. Fujisawa is in Kanagawa and um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. I get to witness every time I go to the gym, I go to like a setting. It's almost like a high performance center where a lot of the um, Japanese Olympic athletes, they actually get prepared or they train over there. So it's one of the facilities that are used as part of... Um, you know, the Japanese athletes' preparations for the Olympics. And, yeah, so they've got multiple fac- like multiple facilities. They've got soccer fields, they've got rugby fields. And you see the work that they put in. You see the work that all these academies, like I know Shonan Belmar has an academy that they train at those sporting grounds, you know. And, I mean, sometimes, look, I go to the gym at random hours. So sometimes I find myself at the gym at around maybe 9 or 10 and guess what? You know, some of these kids are out there shooting, like practicing their set pieces, you know, free kicks, um, penalties, goalkeepers practicing their techniques. And it's like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. And in my mind, I'm thinking, shouldn't these kids be doing homework or something? <laughs> you know, but that's how dedicated some of these kids are. Man. And it's, it's no surprise as to why they're able to, you know, how and why they're able to produce for their prefecture and why the, um, the teams that are in the Kanagawa region are all playing at top flight football, you know? I mean, in my, at the top of my mind, I can't think of one team in Kanagawa that's playing in the J3. All the teams are either in the J1 or J2. All right, the proof is in the pudding, man. The proof is in the pudding. So shout out to them. But anyway, yeah, so great football spectacle by Kawasaki and Yokohama F. Marinos. Just showing um, proper J1 league, how intense the level is. And I'm sure anyone out there, you know, who's following uh, the J1 league competition and was able to witness that game because it streams on YouTube. I'm sure they probably have a different opinion as to the level of uh, football in Japan, you know. So, yeah, amazing stuff. Okay, so now let's move on to the next game. Um, the next fixture that we witnessed was um, Shimizu Espals. Shout out to Shimizu Espals. Versus FC Tokyo. All right. <laughs> you know, FC Tokyo, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this, um, who's been listening consistently to my recaps, will probably think I'm a FC Tokyo hater. No, I'm not. You know, I just like holding teams that are carrying the city's name accountable. I praised FC Tokyo for their past performance in the past couple of weeks, just before they went into that short, short-term break, 
mid-season break. And FC Tokyo had played such a phenomenal game. And they'd attained such an epic victory. And I was like, this is the kind of football that we want to be seeing from a club that is literally carrying the capital city of Japan's name. You know? But unfortunately, <laughs> it wasn't to be for FC Tokyo because, man, Shimizu S-Pulse, let me tell you one thing. This is a team that just keeps getting better week in and week out. Um, this weekend against FC Tokyo, they were able to clinch the game um, two points to zero. All right. Um, they beat FC Tokyo 2-0. And um, man, they, they're forward players. I'm just so impressed at how they just keep you know, finding the rhythm. And they just seem to be clicking as a unit. You know, Santana had an amazing game, scored an epic goal. And a new midfielder rival, man, Pikachu. I think when I look at that guy, Pikachu, I'm guessing he's half, um, he's half Japanese. He looks, he looks part Japanese to me. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, he's from Brazil. So he's, uh, he's a new transfer who signed in the middle of July. And he arrived and hit the ground running. And let me tell you, he had... He had a blinder of a game, you know, took some, you know, it took a couple of good shots, um, showed intent on attack. Like you, you, could, you couldn't tell that this was a guy who was new because he just slotted into the SPAL system so well, you know, and he started. He didn't come off the bench. He started. So you can definitely see that um, Shimizu SPALs were definitely keen to just make this guy hit the ground running and get him involved as quickly as possible. And he grabbed his opportunity with both hands. In fact, I think he played the full 90 plus minutes. You know, that's how effective he was. And he was very instrumental um, in, um, in Santana's second goal. And I like how there was so much interplay between them. Because the first, his first shot at goal when he almost scored, it was actually um, a through pass from Santana. So Santana got the ball. And he ran down the line. And yeah, he passed to Pikachu. And Pikachu got a shot at goal. But unfortunately, it didn't go in. You know, so it's good to see these guys finding each other, you know, on the field. Um, even though the other one literally is fresh off the boat. Just got to Japan and is already making an impact with his new club. You know, so yeah, um, I'm definitely impressed by the new mid uh, midfielder, Pikachu. And will definitely follow with keen interest and uh, see how they fare on. All right. Um, after I got off the phone with, um, you know, one of the executives, he was telling me that, yeah, they're, they're excited about playing Gamba Osaka this coming week. And uh, yeah, they're hopeful for a good result. Hopefully they can keep this momentum going. And um, I mean, who knows what they can achieve, you know. Espals is an important team to the city of Shimizu, man. And um, it's always good to see. And they're the only team in the city, you know. So, um, yeah, to have them staying in top flight football is paramount. It's, in, it's, it's vital, you know, for the football ecosystem of the city of Shimizu. All right. So keep doing your things, guys. Um, yeah, shout out to them, man. Great, great, great effort. All right. And then um, the next game that we're going to look at is Kyoto. Kyoto Sanga versus Kashiwa Reso. You know, every time I look at Kashiwa Wrestle, man, I always think about how 
They just haven't been the same since Michael Olunga departed. I mean, they put they do manage to put up some, you know, epic performances here and there, but I just feel like when they had Olunga, they were they were a formidable force to be reckoned with, you know. But in this game, you know, um they did pull off one of their better performances. You know, Sanga scored first though, you know, um they were really you know, they, they came out the gates, you know, flying and they were just determined to try and get this win. You know, they seemed like the hungrier team at the beginning of the game because they were just coming at Resol with everything, you know. And to be honest with you, Resol's defense, I mean, they were making so many mistakes at the back. Um, like, for example, while they're trying to defend, they almost cause an interception, you know. Um, but luckily, you know, with, within those interceptions, you know, the players from, you know, the Sangha team, they weren't able to convert that into points. But the mere fact that the defense was making so many unforced errors, you know, it made, it made them a little vulnerable at the back, honestly. Um, but yeah, Sangha scored first and then Ressol finally equalized. So for the bulk of the game, the, the game was, you know, deadlocked at one, one apiece, one all. And for a long time, one would, would have thought that Kyoto Sanga is definitely going to sneak in a second goal here. Because watching the game, as, you know, as well as Resol were playing, you could clearly see that Kyoto Sanga kind of wants this win more. You know? But as Lady Luck would have it, <laughs> just before the end of the game, Kashiwa Resol were lucky enough to score a second goal and, yeah, and sneak in the victory. 2-1. To wrestle. So shout out to them and congratulations to them for not being the hardest workers on the field, but being the smartest. You know, um, I mean, they, they scored the goal when it mattered the most and they clinched the victory. So you got to applaud that. You can't hate on that. All right. And then the last game was um, Kashima Antlers versus um, Hiroshima Sanfres. Okay. Now, anyone who knows the Antlers, I mean, they currently sit you know, on second spot of the J1 League competition. You know, at the start of this game, you know, both teams sort of got to feel each other out. You know, just like the Kyoto Sanga and Kashiwa Resol game, you know, both teams, they applied equal pressure, you know. But I think Sanfres was just more clinical on the day. They were more thorough, more accurate, because they were literally able to score two goals within a short space of each other, you know, and um, yeah, their, their Brazilian striker is phenomenal, man, um, the first goal was actually assisted by him, he ran down the line on the right winger side, and as he went into the 18 area, he crossed it, and then the player finished it, and then the second goal, they passed to him, and through, man, an unbelievable solo effort, he was, he was able to score a blistering goal. He's got a very good shot, left-footed shot to finish off and score the goal. So, yeah, that was, definitely, that was definitely a good game between the two. Antlers, I mean, they didn't play badly, in all honesty. They did not play badly, and there were instances where you actually felt that they were a little hard done by, where they should have actually gotten a penalty. You know, one of their players, one of the... the um, Sanfres defenders literally slid in the 18 area 
where the player was attacking the goalkeeper. The guy missed the ball and he literally got the player. But no penalty was awarded. You know, so a lot of questionable calls where you're like, well, that could have been the momentum changer in the game. Who knows? I mean, if Kashima Antlers had gotten that penalty and scored the goal, maybe, you know, um, the game could have swung a different direction. But again, that's just, you know, speculation. If you're going to throw maybes all around, then fuck, this podcast would go on forever. You know, we call it like we see it. Um, at the end of the day, Sanfres were able to bag the two points to no, snag the game, um, sneak in the victory and take away the three points. You know, so shout out to them. And uh, yeah, I mean, my opinion after, you know, coming off the short break that a lot of the players had had, I would say that you did see a little bit of rust in some of the players. You, you did not see it, however, in the teams that actually got to play against the touring side, Paris Saint-Germain. For example, I think Kawasaki was more clinical and accurate than F. Marinos because, well, they had that extra game that they played when they faced off against um, the touring, you know, Paris Saint-Germain. I'm actually confused as to why Yokohama F. Marinos didn't play against Paris Saint-Germain. You know, you would have thought that Paris Saint-Germain would want to play against the number one team of Japan, but it wasn't to be. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what helped Kawasaki because they looked the least rusty. Kyoto Sanga and Resol, because, you know, some of their players were looking a bit rusty. I mean, Peter, take Peter Utaka, for example, who plays for Kyoto Sanga. He's one of the most deadliest strikers in the, the league currently. He's, currently, he's at number two in terms of goal scorers, top goal scorers in the league. And he was looking rusty. You know, same with the Antlers. You could see that they're a championship side, that they're a side that's used to winning. But I think a lot of their guys were just too rusty from the short break that was taken. So obviously now they're back to playing games. You know, I foresee that, you know, a lot of the games... Sorry, a lot of the gums. <laughs> a lot of the guys' muscle memory is going to, you know, click back. And, you know, guys are going to start putting in some decent performances again. All right. We're at the back end of the season now, man. Um, the next transfer period will be in, you know, will be the winter transfer period. So that's going to be interesting to see. You know, guys' contracts will be coming to an end. Other guys will be moving on. So we'll see what's happened. Um, yeah, in coming episodes, we're definitely going to talk about the, the transfer window that happened this summertime. It wasn't a very busy one, but, you know, some key signings were made, definitely. And, uh, yeah, we'll dive into that in another episode, though. All right. All right, guys. So, um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad things are back on now. You know, the games are back on. Um, but it was, it, it did feel good, though, you know, just talking about the tours and, and other sporting codes and everything. But, yeah. Glad to bring you guys um, another recap episode of the J-League games of the past week to 10 days. All right. Just before we go, um, special shout out and thank you to everyone who keeps supporting the podcast. Please keep supporting the podcast by getting our merchandise. Um, I'll be sure to drop the link on the description of the podcast. Um, but other than that, man, have a good day. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. All right, it's a beautiful summer's day out here in Japan. And uh, yeah, we're just enjoying life, man. Just enjoying life. All right, guys. Um, 
So this is Sports Biz from an agent's perspective. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. And remember our sporting slogan, man, for this podcast. We don't only talk sports. We lived it. We effing lived it. We fucking lived it. All right, in this segment of our podcast, we actually want to talk about and promote our client and partner, Getafe Madrid International Football Academy. Right, this is an academy, football academy, soccer academy, that is based in Madrid, Spain. Getafe recruits players between the ages of 15 and 17 years old. Players are able to learn from quality coaches from around the world, UEFA accredited and licensed coaches. Players are also afforded the opportunity to receive a quality education with the academy's partner school, Akinas American School. Right, so if players enroll with the academy and study up until they finish their diploma, they are able to obtain a diploma which is USA accredited. And when they obtain this, they are able to enroll and study at any university in the world. All right. So this is an amazing, amazing soccer opportunity for any young player who has ambitions of developing in a foreign market. Passports are open to every single individual in the world. All right. A disclaimer about this uh, promotion is that I, as a football agent that is registered in Japan, I do not represent players under the age of 18. My relationship and partnership is with the academy. All right. So with that being said, I will only liaise with parents or legal guardians of young players. So for anyone listening to this and wanting to find out more information you can find out by going to our website which is www.magsportsagency.net that is www.m-a-g-sportsagency.net all right over there all the information is displayed in terms of tuition and the application process. Obviously, before players are accepted into the academy, um, there are certain requirements that players need to meet in order to be accepted into the academy. So only being talented as being a player, that is simply not enough. This is an academy that places an emphasis, you know, um, in education as well. This is an academy that understands the importance of education as well. So what they strive to do is equip young football players with the skills they need to excel at a high level as professional soccer players, but also to have the education that is needed for life after a professional soccer career. All right. So this is an amazing opportunity and um, 
I would recommend it. I definitely recommend it. Madrid is an amazing city. Spain, the Spanish winters are the best winters because they don't get as cold as the rest of Europe. And this is an amazing opportunity for a young child to develop and mature as an athlete and an individual. All right. They will gain the exposure and they will be able to basically be based in one of the cities that is considered as one of the capital soccer cities of the world. You know, in the city, they've got one of the biggest football soccer brands in the world in Real Madrid. So if that doesn't inspire a young player, I don't know what will. All right. So make sure you check out the website for more information. And I look forward to hearing from parents and legal guardians who would like to take their child's um, football career and educational um, career to the next level. All right. Take care. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So did you know that Sports Bears from an Agent's Perspective, the podcast, was actually parlayed from an ebook series that is available on Amazon.com? I get I bet you I bet you guys didn't know this. But uh, yeah, that is the case. Um, so when I started my journey as a sports agent. I told myself that, you know what, I want to document this journey as it's actually happening. All right. And then that gave me the idea that, you know what, to start an ebook series and to just basically talk about my experiences um, in sort of like an ebook series. All right. So the ebook series that um, we completed last year was season one, four episodes of season one. Where basically, guys, I talk about my journey in transitioning from being um, an athlete, from being a player, to actually getting into the business side of professional sports. Right? I've always known that I wanted to be in the, um, the business of professional sports once I stopped playing, but I didn't know how. All right? I bet there's a lot of you know a lot of guys who are athletes. Or a lot of guys who are passionate about sports who actually want to become agents, but they don't know how to become agents. Okay, this is where I recommend, I recommend that you get um, my Sports Biz from an Agent's Perspective ebook series. All right, that series literally details everything, man. It details um, the process and it also details on how to get started. Um, you know, when you just want to open up your own shop, your own agency, how to prospect for clients. All right. And also, um, I also tell stories about the transfer window. And I also tell stories about just my life in Tokyo since I've been here. All right. Trust me, there's some epic stories that you would not want to miss that are over there. But um, all that aside, the most important information that is on there is literally about how to get started as a sports agent and just how to navigate this journey because i don't have a mentor no one's mentoring me in this sports agency journey it's literally 
um, through trial and error and it's literally just, you know, taking it day by day and going by instincts. Okay, so make sure you get the ebook series, man. Sports Biz from an agent's perspective, ebook series. All right. Um, and I wish you guys well on your journey, man. I wish you well on your agent's journey. For any agent that's looking to come into the game or for any sports enthusiast that's looking to come into the game, I wish you nothing but luck. But make sure you get the ebook series. <laughs> just kidding, man. But yeah, I just thought I would um, tell you guys about it because a lot of guys told me that they didn't know that my podcast was parlayed from an, um, an ebook series. All right. There was even a press release. There was even like, it was also in the media as well. Um, because my podcast has just been catching on so much popularity here in Asia and in the African continent. And then the one person just contacted me and, and was like, listen, I saw sports biz from an agent's perspective on Amazon. Was this a book? I was like, yep, it was first a book before I made it into a podcast. So anyway, I thought I'd share that little story. And uh, yeah, man, I hope you guys go out and get it. I definitely recommend it and you won't be disappointed. Many more seasons are coming as well. All right. Cheers.